She was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I'm your host, Sarah Gorski, and I'm here again with Ms. Chloe Skye. As advertised, I'm back. As advertised. We told you last week Chloe was going to be back to talk about another broad with us. If you didn't uh, catch last week's episode, I highly recommend you hit pause and go back to it because Chloe and I talk a lot about what is going on with all of these uh, well, the trans fight for equal rights, which is still happening, which shouldn't still be happening. Um, and I think we, I think we talked about some really good shit. So I think so. You know, it felt like it was a good over. conversation. Yeah, and Chloe knows way more about being trans than I do because Chloe <laughs> is trans. Cause it's my life. Cause it's your life, and especially like listeners, it's okay if you don't have any trans friends, but if you don't, like it really behooves us to hear perspectives and stories from people who are other than ourselves. So I do really encourage you to listen to it. And also, if you don't have any trans friends, I encourage you to have some because we're great. Yeah. If you write into the podcast, I'll forward it to Chloe so she can read your like friendship letter if you want to be friends with Chloe. I feel like Chloe oh, yeah. is open to, to good friendships. <laughs> I like I like friends. I like support. I like external validation. So whatever you got. Although you have lots of friends. That's not to say you have no friends. I do. I do have friends. <laughs> but anyway, Chloe, I am so excited to talk about today's broad. We mentioned her name at the end of last week's pod, but I am bringing you Raquel Willis. Have you ever heard Raquel? I hadn't. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say I hadn't until you texted me her name today. So, so I'm really obsessed with her. Like after learning even just a few things about her, I was already obsessed. And then of course I get to research her, and I'm even more obsessed. Yeah, I read like two sentences, and I was like, "Ooh, she sounds like a badass." I'm so excited. She is such a badass. I actually think I want to start off this episode about her. I don't usually do this, but I kind of want to play a clip because she is abroad today. She's She is alive. She's 33. I, I think she's 33 if I did the math correctly, which I might not have. So if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But she is quite young compared to many of the broads we covered in this podcast who are usually like dead. Um, <laughs> and she is still in the middle of writing her story. Like her story is not finished yet. And she's like, I also feel like just beginning her story, which is is also insane to say because her list of accomplishments is already so long but I do want to play this clip because this is like the huge advantage of well one of the great advantages I love of like doing broads today is that we actually have like literal quotes from people and we have video clips and we have like media technology of these broads which for the older broads we cover we like don't always have that and the sources yeah. always feel like second and third hand and a lot of them are fucked up because you know, government conspiracies and shit. And like, here we have a living broad today who also happens to be a writer amongst many things that she does. And so I feel like we get some good shit with her and I just want to play it on this podcast. So let me pull up this clip that maybe some listeners will recognize. I don't know. It, maybe you'll even recognize it, Chloe. I'm not sure if you would have seen it originally. We'll so let me see out. if I can. Okay. to go. I promise I won't take too much of your time. And before I start, I want us to take a second and look around. Look at all of these people who are gathered here to take a stand. These 
are your partners in resistance and liberation. And today, y'all are making a commitment to each other and to a new vision of liberation. Now, when I was younger, my father used to always tell me, walk like you know where you're going. I thought he was just trying to be deep. I didn't know what he was talking about. But when I was 19, he died, and I quickly learned what he meant. He was no longer my guidance and my safety net, and that loss pushed me to figure out exactly who I am and the life I wanted to live. I found my voice. And today, I stand here with my mom as a proud, unapologetic, queer, black, transgender woman from Augusta, Georgia. I'm more than those labels. I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, an auntie, a friend, a lover, a human, and a feminist. And so I want to stress the importance of us being intentional about inclusion. I think about historically trans women of color like Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson who lit the fire on the LGBTQIA rights movement. And they were quickly kicked out and erased. They share a common thread with Sojourner Truth, another revolutionary woman. And just like her, black women, women of color, queer women, trans women, disabled women, Muslim women, and so many others are still asking many of y'all, ain't I a woman? So as we commit to build this movement of resistance and liberation, no one can be an afterthought anymore. We must hold each other in love and accountability. That is Raquel Willis. And that is Raquel Willis speaking at the Women's March in 2020. Do you remember that shit, Pink Pussy Hats? I do. (laughs) I sure do. (sighs) You know what's crazy about that particular clip, too, is I don't know if you can tell, but at the end of it, her mic cuts out. Oh, I think I And they did that on purpose. Oh. They did that on purpose. The white girls cut her off. Why? It's a lot. It it seems like a long story. Raquel like explains it. She talks about how like they had added a bunch of celebrities last minute earlier in the lineup. And by the time they got to her and like a lot of these other more like women who were more of the like minority feminists and things like that, that they ended up like not having enough time left for them, et cetera, et cetera. But it becomes like this kind of flagship moment of like, okay, maybe white women aren't as intersectional as they fucking think they are with this whole women's march. Again? Again? Shocking. (laughs) I know. Right. I kind of like jumped right into it. I I didn't mean to get to the drama right away. But her speech was incredible. <laughs> I mean, hey. And this was like her first huge kind of platform moment on like the national platform. But Raquel Willis is, she is everything that she said. She's, you know, a black trans activist, feminist woman, daughter, <laughs> all, all of the above. And I feel like I really wanted to cover a fucking broad like this, not only because it's, you know, 
Pride Month. Also, it's Juneteenth. It's about to be Juneteenth. So we not only have a, a trans broad, we have a black trans broad, um, which are like some of the most erased voices, I think, in in the struggle for, for equal rights and trans rights and space in the world, right? And so I'm really excited to kind of bring her, her, whole, her whole story here. So I'm going to just like jump into the beginning. It goes quickly because there's not a lot about her childhood that I found. But Raquel was born in 1990, which makes her the same age as my little brother and the same age as you, I guess, Chloe. You were born in 90? I was I was also born in 90. Oh, my God. All y'all babies. <laughs> I always think of my, my brother as the yeah. baby, even though he's not a baby. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't feel like a baby, but some days I feel like a baby. <laughs> today, on days like today, I feel like an old lady when we're talking about this shit. 1990. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that makes her 33 today. And she was born in Augusta, Georgia. And I had to look it up because I had never, I wasn't familiar with Augusta. Augusta is like smack in the middle of the border between Georgia and North Carolina. It's like right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm driven through it yeah and in an interview i used to live in the old north carolina oh did you really i forgot that yeah before i moved to la i was in charlotte north carolina and your family's still there that's where my parents live oh my god yeah my sister's in kentucky and everyone's else scattered to the wind but yeah my parents still live in charlotte so you know you know even more than i do i've only been to i've been to raleigh but that's all i've been to in that well that's not true i've been through atlanta actually atlanta was was fine when i was there i don't know um yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, there's pros and cons. Pros and cons. And also, like, my boyfriend's from Georgia, so I, I feel like I've warmed up on Georgia from whatever whatever initial mm-hmm. hesitations I had as a, as a Midwestern girl. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, in an interview about her hometown, Raquel says, quote, I think that growing up in Augusta in this medium-sized southern town in Georgia really gave me an appreciation in particular for folks who grew up isolated from larger met- metropolitan cities. It clearly didn't feel that way at the time, though. I always felt like I wanted to be somewhere else, more progressive, that would open to me as a youth, end quote. She, growing up, she was the youngest of three kids, and her family was also super Catholic. Chloe, you can relate to that shit. Damn, we're going to have a whole lot in common. <laughs> um, they went to church a lot. Her parents taught Sunday school. That's familiar to me, not the Catholic part, but the, the Sunday school, all that business. And like she said in her speech, her dad um, used to say to her a lot, walk like you know where you're going. And in case it bears repeating, or if it wasn't clear up until this point, at birth, Raquel was assigned male. And in some of the interviews that uh, I was listening to, because you can actually like listen to her speak. She's on all these different, she's on a lot of different podcasts. She's everywhere. If you just Google her, guys, she's all, she's going to show up. But uh, she talks about um, how when she was growing up, she always like all of her groups of friends were all girls because she didn't really feel like one of the boys, which that, that seems like. I guess part for the course, right? <laughs> not that's feeling a, like... That's a pretty common... That, I would say that's a pretty common trans experience. That's certainly <laughs> my experience. Um, and sure, and of course... like, I don't want to hang out with these boys. I don't like them. Like, I'm going to hang out with the girls. Exactly. Although I was... I mean, I was hanging out with the boys, but that's because I like... I think I had... Because I had brothers. I feel like I like... 
I don't know. Yeah, there's lots of reasons. It's not always because you're trans, but it is also a common experience if you're trans. Yeah, well, there's experiences of all kinds. Of course, mm-hmm. of course, because kids are the worst. She was bullied a bit by the other kids because she just was not like the other girls or the boys, for that matter. But her family, I'm excited to say that her family was very loving and supportive, uh, unlike some families can be. Um, and she felt comfortable enough that she came out of the closet as gay to her family when she was 14. Um, and her family like didn't kick her out or do these those other egregious things some families do, which I was really glad to hear. I'm so glad to hear that. That's always so heartening. So heartening. Um, she also, as she was kind of going through school and starting to grow up, she felt herself like really naturally drawn to civil rights advocates and pioneers. Like, of course, Dr. King, Jesse Norman, and Lucy Craft Laney, who weren't names I was very familiar with. And now I feel like I'm going to have to look them up and put, put on uh, podcast episodes about them, probably. I think probably. After high school, she enrolls in the University of Georgia, and she's majoring in magazine journalism, and she's got a minor in gender studies. Um, And in her women's studies classes, she says, quote, I was always hungry to find LGBTQ people. My concept and understanding of ancestry as a transgender and queer person changed. I found people like Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, and even Mary Jones from the 1800s as black trans women who were my spiritual ancestors, end quote. Um, And then... When she's a little over halfway through her undergrad program, when she's 19, her father very suddenly passes away from a stroke. And this mm-hmm. uh, tra- tragedy would turn out to be like an incredibly formative moment for her. She says, quote, when I was 19, he died and I quickly learned what he meant. He was no longer my guidance and my safety net. That loss pushed me to figure out exactly who I am and the life I wanted to live. I found my voice, end quote. That's a quote from the speech we listened to at the top, by the way, (laughs) if Mm -hmm. I didn't say that. And it was kind of that moment and that realization that she actually was trans. And so Raquel, as we know her today, was born. First of all, is that the right thing to say? Raquel was born. Is that that the right? I I mean... Some some people like that terminology. Some people is there a better way to say know. it? It's not it's not wrong. I mean, <laughs> I, she was born in 1990 technically, but right. like I have certainly said that now I have multiple birthdays. Yeah, <laughs> like I have my the day I was actually born, and then the day like Chloe was born. Yeah, it's a, it's a little weird just because like that makes Chloe three years old. And <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, I feel like I'm a little older than that, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's not, it's not wrong. That's when Raquel enters the chat. Yeah, I don't know. That's when Raquel enters the chat. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Um, that's when, re- maybe, maybe re- is revealed is, is oh, that's what... more a- a- apropos. I don't know. Okay. That's when Raquel is revealed. She pulls off the, the, the man curtain. She pulls off whatever that the gay man curtain was that she was living and she becomes Raquel and she does not wait even a second to kind of get down to business. She finishes her degree. She graduates. She immediately gets a job working as a news reporter at the Walton Tribune in Monroe, Georgia. 
Um, and then she also dives straight into grassroots organizing efforts that are happening in Atlanta. And so this is all kind of happening also around the same time as Black Lives Matter is forming. So Black Lives Matter kind of comes together in 2013. And obviously, Black Lives Matter has a really long life and it's still going on, on now. But that's when it was like kind of first kicking up. And some of Raquel's first demonstrations are literally walking with the Black Lives Matter movement. And suddenly, like, this phrase of her dad's, walk like you know where you're going, like, really clicks in a place for her. Literally, and then also figuratively, is, like, this advocacy, all of this, this work that she starts doing. She, in 2015, she organizes a demonstration in Atlanta to bring awareness of the increasing number of black trans women missing or murdered. That's still an issue today, by the way, everybody, that issue is not resolved. That's still a major issue for the community. Uh, so after that demonstration, she also works on behalf of the Solutions Not Punishment Collaborative to end police profiling of transgender women of color and mass incarceration. Um, she works with some other folks on a campaign to implement a pre-arrest diversion program in Atlanta. Um, and she also successfully leads the Atlanta Trans Liberation Tuesday mobilization with the larger Black Lives Matter network. Uh, and Raquel talks a little bit in interviews about how all this advocacy work in Georgia that she starts to do at the beginning of kind of the beginning of this like spark of her career um, and how even though she felt like the work that she was doing with Black Lives Matter and everybody else was making a big difference, she really found that the efforts to protect specifically black lives were not extending to black lives that also were transgender. Um, mm-hmm. And she said, quote, I think. At that point, people didn't get social cookies for supporting trans people. There was not the societal pressure to care. It was that moment and a collection of other moments that led me to know I was tired of wasting my energy on efforts that didn't directly impact my community, end quote. All the organizing she'd done up until this point still was very impressive to folks, even though she was starting to feel a little ill-content, right? Um, But... Uh, It opened some doors for her, and she's offered a position as a national organizer for the Transgender Law Center in Oakland, California. And then we get to 2017. Holy shit, the year of Raquel, the year of the speech. It opens with the speech we listened to at the beginning at the Women's March. And with her mic getting cut off and trans, uh, like a black trans woman's voice again being cut off by white women at a white feminist march. But anyway, back to Raquel. 2017, that was the beginning of 2017 for her. And then the same year she accomplishes, like, I'm, it's, I literally have it in bullet list style because I don't really know how better to deliver this information because there's so much of it. She is also in the pilot cohort of Channel Black, a media organizing and training arm of the Movement for Black Lives. She also is the final host of Black Girl Dangerous Media's BGD podcast, which discussed pop culture and current events from an intersectional lens. She also becomes a member of the 2017 Sojourner Truth Leadership Circle through Auburn Seminary. She also joins Echoing Ida, a national Black women and non-binary writers collective, which, by the way, can anyone listening guess what broad that organization's name is based on, Chloe, anybody? Is it Ida B. Wells? Yes, it's Ida B. Wells. Thank you, audience of Chloe. <laughs> you are welcome. I'm happy to be a Listeners, service. if you haven't listened to Ida B. Wells' episode, gotta go look that up. 
she was like the black reporter that blew the lid off of what was actually happening to black people in the South. Anyway, uh, so, but Raquel joins that organization. She also is named to Essence's Woke 100 Women, which honored, quote, the women who are blazing trails for equal rights and inclusion for black people in America, end quote. She also is named to The Root 100, which is an annual list of the most influential African-Americans ages 25 to 45. And then 2017 ends, but her accomplishments don't. Because <laughs> 2018, <laughs> she is named uh, an Open Society Foundation's Soros Equity Fellow, uh, through which she developed Black Trans Circles, which is a project of, of TLC, the, tra- um, the Transgender Law Center, which is focused on developing the leadership of Black trans women in the South and Midwest by creating healing spaces to work through oppression-based trauma and incubating community organizing efforts to address anti-trans murder and violence. I am like literally reading these things that I pulled off of her website, but I also feel like it's important to get all the words right. And so I don't want to paraphrase them. I'm like literally reading them, which is yeah, why I sound no, like a robot. Sounds, I was, I was going to no, I was gonna say that sounds important. It isn't. It's important to get these fucking words right. And I don't want to fuck it up. This shit's too important. In the same year, 2018, Raquel is also awarded the Emerging Leader Award by the San Francisco Transgender Day of Visibility Committee. She's also named to the Frederick Douglass 200 a list of people who best embody the spirit and work of Friedrich Douglass. Um, And that year, she is also named a Jack Jones Literary Arts Sylvia Rivera Fellow, another name of abroad who we have not yet to cover on this podcast, but might very shortly, um, as she's another huge icon in in the fight for trans rights. Um, And then in the same year, she's offered the position of executive editor of Out magazine and that magazine has been around almost 30 years and it had never had a black person or transgender person in that role leading its coverage so that position and her getting like that position is fucking huge yeah one of the big projects she does when she is at out is that she publishes a the trans obituaries project which was a project put together to highlight the epidemic of violence against trans women of color she ended up winning a GLAAD Media Award for the project. It was a huge deal. Very important work. These lists just, like, keep continuing. I know it, like, might sound boring, but I'm so impressed with all this fucking shit. So and it's not fucking shit, She's by the way. an incredibly impressive person. <laughs> I say fucking shit very generically. I use that phrase way too much because, obviously, her work's not shit. It's very important. Um she is named to the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts 100 list. She gets the Woke 100 women for the second time. Uh, in 2020, she's on the Forbes 30 Under 30, and she makes the Root 100 a second time. Um, she gets the Generation Change Award from the MTV Europe Music Award. And in 2020, she also gives another huge speech. Um, she led a crowd of 15,000 protesters in an, quote, I believe in trans black power chant of solidarity at the Brooklyn Museum. And the very same month, she is appointed to a new position as director of communications for the Ms. Foundation for Women. I, it's a whole lot of wow. I like I can't I don't feel like I have enough time to even talk about each of those organizations, which is why I kind of just blew through the, the bullet list. Um, but all mm-hmm. of the biggest organizations at the forefront of the fight for trans rights and equality. Um, she's been there and in it. 
Um, I also have to say, Chloe, for you and for you and me's sake, she also did endorse Elizabeth Warren in the 2020 primary. <laughs> nice. Actually, Wikipedia said that. Isn't that funny? Someone must have added that in there. Someone from the Warren campaign must have added it in there. <laughs> but I love it because I love Elizabeth Warren and I can't get over her. And I love um, every time I find someone else that also loves her, I feel like immediate camaraderie. Because they're like somebody who nerded out on all of her plans and just was obsessed with her. So anyway, let's see. In 2021, Raquel is named the University of Georgia's 40 Under 40 and Fast Company's Queer 50. In 2022, the National Association of Black Journalists LGBTQ Task Force honors her uh, for all of her contributions to LGBTQ plus visibility in media. And she was named a person of the year by The Advocate. She also, like, in the midst of this, I don't know what year this happened, she co-founded Transgender Week of Visibility and Action. So that was, like, her brainchild that she was at the forefront of. She currently serves as an executive producer for iHeartMedia's Outspoken. Oh, nice. Yeah, and she's still president of the Solutions Not Punishment Collaborative's uh, executive board and apparently... Uh, on the WNBA Social Justice Council, which I didn't even know existed. Did you know that existed? I did not. My God. Um, And by the way, Chloe, this is the part that I don't want it to make you sad, but it might make you sad. She's also writing. She's she's like, she writes the whole, she's a writer in addition to, as a journalist, she does a lot of writing. Yeah, and she's a podcast producer. She's doing all kinds of crazy. She's like, we got so much in common. is everywhere. That Trans Obituaries Project that she published was huge. Um, her writing has been published in a bunch of different collections, um, like Black Futures, Bulgari Magnifica, The Power Women Hold, 400 Souls, A Community History of African America, 1619 to 2019, edited by one of our favorite one of our favorite authors, Chloe Abramics Kendi, and Keisha Blaine. Mm-hmm. Um, she also has written articles for Essence, Bitch, Vice, BuzzFeed, The Cut, Vogue. Like, she works all the time, and she is about to publish her first memoir. Um, and it's coming out this October, and it's called The Risk It Takes to Bloom on Life and Liberation. That's pretty relatable. Actually, I need to take a second to take, like, a fucking breath. Like, this this chick is 33. She's fucking 33, Chloe. What have we done with our lives? <laughs> this is part of the podcast where we're wondering. What have we done? Uh, what a good question. I do feel like I've done nothing. <laughs> I don't, she must not sleep. Like, I don't know. How do you do all these things and just not, she's the Greta Thunberg of, of trans activism, right? She's like all over and in it mm-hmm. and creating the movement at the ground level, at the grassroots level. In some of the interviews that I read and, and listened to, she says she still has a, a sense of humility about her impact and retains her parents' ideals. Quote, I hold on to their concept of stewardship and just figuring out ways that you can leverage what you have to do to help the lives of others. There's no savior that will save our people. So it's about doing our own little lot of justice work to figure into the larger puzzle. We're not going to be able to rely on white people to save black people or cis people to save trans people. We're going to have to do it ourselves. End quote. She right. She is right. I wish she wasn't right. I wish that weren't true. But she fucking is so right. White white chicks cut off her microphone at the Women's March. Anyway, what do you think about Raquel? 
I think she's amazing. I think she puts me to shame. No. I think. Um, no. No, I th- I'm glad that she's out there because she's given a real good face to trans people and she's doing great work. So, yeah. She speaks very eloquently about all of these things that we were just talking about and, you know, that, I don't know, it's an important voice and she uses it so well. Uh, she's just such a an, an incredible advocate and an incredible, not not even just advocate, but just like her activist voice is just so strong and she's not afraid to call out the bullshit like the bullshit of non-intersectional feminism and and when that was so so yeah 2017 is like slightly i feel like slightly before the word intersectional became like i think that i think the women's march kind of i highlighted the fact that intersectionality wasn't really happening like i feel like intersectional feminism kind of blew up as a term that people began to recognize more like, I feel like after that, that point. Yeah, part of me even feels like it wasn't, like, really in vogue until after, like, the George Floyd protests and everything in 2020. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we have people, a lot of broads who were intersectional before that word was popular. Like, we have Audre Lorde and we have, sure, you know, Bell Hooks. We have all of these intersectional broads who are fucking amazing. But the word itself wasn't very widely recognized, I feel like, until... After the women's march, yeah, I don't first think, women's march. I don't, yeah, I don't think um, white people really used it or talked about it very much. That's thank you for the correction. That. You're right; it's white people yeah. that didn't know. <laughs> yes, I even think, and myself included. I and admit, I, and, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm counting. I'm counting myself in there. Like, it's it's the work of people like her that is the reason you know that we're even aware of these things because you know we weren't talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Now we talk about it. Now it's your, your favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> we literally started a podcast to talk about it. That's right. Well, I encourage you, Chloe, and all of your listeners to look up Raquel. Look up, listen to some of her podcasts. Like, if you already listen to podcasts anyway, that's a no brainer for you. Listen to her speak about it, speak about the work she's doing. She's a lot of people ask her in interviews, like, what's the best thing we can do to be allies to trans people? To, to our trans friends and our trans brothers and sisters. And she she has a, a laundry list of things we can do day to day, big and small. And she's like someone that I think from now on, now that I know who she is and now that I'm like obsessed with her, I can like rely on her as a resource and someone to look to when I'm looking for like what is the right thing to do and what is the best way to, to support and advocate. I just want all y'all to Definitely. know the same shit I do. She's the best. Yep. She's going to become, uh, if not daily, at least semi-weekly part of my routine now. <laughs> I knew you were going to love However, her. Often, I don't know how often she puts out podcasts, but um, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna be reading her stuff. So, oh, yeah. yeah. No, I'm in. All her shit all is on in. her website, Chloe. Uh, actually, I'll tell you guys that. I can give you that info. Well, I'll, I'll, I always post this shit on um, Broad You Should Know as well, but she has a website, RaquelWillis.com. And she also is very active on Twitter. By the way, her Twitter handle is Raquel Willis underscore. And that's Raquel, R-A-Q-U-E-L Willis, W-I-L-L-I-S. I'm so excited to say that her website, this is a web design nerd thing, but her website ranks higher than her Wikipedia entry. Thank fucking God, because her Wikipedia entry is a little bit sparse and didn't include over half of the things that I talked about just now. (laughs) Well, folks, that is all I've got for you today on Raquel Willis. 
one of the most exciting modern day broads you should know who is whose story I think is probably not even halfway done. I feel like the next part no, is going mean, to just keep She's only exploding. she's only 33. She's going to skyrocket. There's exponential growth to come. And I felt like I mean, weirdly enough, uh and it, I don't feel like I should be embarrassed to say this, but like I pulled a lot of this info right off of her own website. But the thing is about like being a millennial in this day and age is like if you fucked up, but if you got if you got bad receipts on you, like they're gonna be out there already. Like if you have this level of spotlight, and if your shit's shady, like we would know about it. There would be th- those articles would show up when we when we look for you. You know, so definitely, definitely. Well, thanks for telling me about Raquel Willis. I'm because I'm embarrassed I didn't know about her before literally today. There's so. no embarrassment on this podcast. My goodness, there's just excitement for I'm our new best to friends. I'm be embarrassed. I you're right. I am. Deeply excited to start diving into Raquel Willis even more because, yeah. So thank you. Thank you for being here. As always, you are my favorite guest. Don't tell my other guests. Listeners, don't tell my other guests. But <laughs> Chloe is is my favorite. <laughs> well, thanks. Okay, everybody, come back next week for another Broad You Should Know. Bye. To learn more about Raquel Willis, see pictures of her and quotes from this episode, head on over to broadsyoushouldknow.com. While you're there, you can click on over to the About page and read more about me and Chloe. Our bios, photos, links to all of our cool stuff, all right there. Have you followed Broads You Should Know on social yet? We are on Facebook and Instagram at Broads You Should Know and Twitter at BYSK Podcast. To suggest a broad, fill out the form on our website or email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. Are you a fan of this podcast? If so, help spread the word about us. Share your favorite episode with your friends or family, or better yet, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps new listeners to find us. Broads You Should Know is produced by me, Sarah Gorski, and edited by Chloe Skye, with original music by Darren Callahan. Finally, give a listen to some of the episodes of Trans Broads we have covered on this podcast. We've got Marsha P. Johnson, who supposedly threw the first brick at the Stonewall Riots. We've got Christine Jorgensen, widely thought to be the first trans woman in the United States. And Alexia Salvador, the first transgendered pastor in Latin America. Then come back next week for another trans broad you should know.